Uh, I think we're rolling. Go ahead. Perfect. So, uh, Aaron, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So thanks for the invitation. No, we're, we're, we're so honored to have you on. We had your counterpart, Christopher, on um, last a couple of weeks ago, uh, talking about uh, obviously the book that we're going to get into it a little bit uh, later. But uh, thank you so much for making time. You know, I know that it was today, especially was busy. And again, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But overall, you've just been like running 100 miles an hour, huh? Yes, I have. <laughs> but that's okay. That's that's just like I said, the season of life I'm in. So. That's good. <laughs> so, um for those that don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. Um so hello listeners, my name is Erin Monin. Um I am a, I do a lot of things, so I'm going to try to keep this concise, but um the most important roles um in my life, I am a wife and a mother. Um a newer mother. I have a almost six month old daughter, which is crazy to say, because in my mind, I'm like, she's growing up so fast. But <laughs> um, yeah, so um, yes, Catholic wife and mother, those are my three um, proud titles. But also, um, I am a full time development officer for the Society of St. Vincent de Paul in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I'm the co author of Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. And I'm a speaker, writer and social media influencer. So lots going on. I'm grateful for it all and uh, happy to talk more and dive into those things one at a time today. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um... It is your your first. You have a your your six month mm -hmm. old girl. That's yes, my first. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> Thank Congrats. you. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much. That is yeah, a so, lot that has happened in the last six months for you. Um, yeah, so so Aaron is what we call in Spanish uh, una estuche de monerías, which roughly translates to someone that just does a lot of things, like a Swiss Army knife, Renaissance <laughs> yeah, woman, basically. if you will, right? So that sounds a little bit more elevated. <laughs> hey, I love it. I'll take it. That's that's a great I that's a great compliment. <laughs> yeah, especially monerias because it's like some cutesy things. Yeah, so, you know that's what it is. But it, I never yeah, knew that that was actually the word. I was today years old when I knew that, Walter. Come on, it, I'm gonna take your Mexican uh, card away, dude. I'm telling you, that's one of those things that you hear. All of your life, and you never just put two and two together. Anyway, okay. S small parentheses. You know, monerías comes from mono. It says que mono. Something is mono. Mm -hmm. it is like it is cute, but mono okay. is also what you would say for a monkey. Well, like that's not the one. I yeah, know no. it's not. That's but the it's, other one. Spanish is weird <laughs> like that. I know. It's I, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty complex. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Some it sense. is. <laughs> So you, you are also here to learn a little bit of Spanish. Um, anyways, so so let's talk a little bit. And I love that you said that your three main roles is a Catholic mom and, and wife. And, and I think that that is what everybody uh, should uh, focus on, their vocation first. And I think that's one of the things that um, uh, it is highlighted in... Uh, Uh, in the book um, that everyone that is a baptized Catholic has a, a responsibility first with God, second with their vocation, third with the world. 
Um, talking about your your vocation, you you are a um, uh, a new mother, um, and and you talk about things that sometimes. Uh, on your Instagram page, at least you talk about things that uh, are usually not common for people to, to talk about, which is a uh, uh, postpartum depression. Um, can, can you share a little bit about your experience with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I try to be as authentic as I can on social media because there's a lot of not authenticity, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. in the social media space. So, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, like you said, the past six months have been a wild ride to say the least. Um, so yeah, a uh, new mother, which comes with all sorts of feelings and experiences and a very steep learning curve, um, not only when you're pregnant, but then of course, when you have the baby. So yeah, um, you know, I, you can only read so much, but you really just have to experience um, going through pregnancy, birth and postpartum. And I certainly, I, I I, you know, I read everything. I read all the books. I, I looked up, you know, what could possibly happen after the baby's born, all this stuff. Um, but, you know, you don't know it until you're going through it. So, yeah, I, um, my, my pregnancy was great. Um, our, our birth went really well. It was very long, but it went really well. And we, my husband and I, Everyone always says, oh, we brought our baby home and we're like, oh, now what? But we didn't mm -hmm. actually have that feeling. We, we were kind of just like, yeah, this is our life now. Like, let's get to it. Um, but in that, there's still a major healing process and adjustment process that needs to happen. And right. for me, um, you know, physically, my body actually healed really well, which I was very grateful for. But mentally and emotionally, it was so so tough um so i had the baby blues for at least two weeks after the birth um i was crying 10 times a day for i didn't even know what reasons and um that just kind of slowly turned into postpartum depression um i've i've struggled with mental health all my well, mental illness, um, all my life. And that's something that I also am pretty open about on social media because mm -hmm. I think it needs to be talked about a lot more. Um, so anxiety and depression have been part of my history, but you know, it takes on kind of a whole new, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it takes on this whole new dimension part. Yeah. Dimension. Mm -hmm. Um, when, when you're a new, um, mother. So yeah, the, I, I struggled for, I still do, but, um, I struggled for those first three months, especially while I was on maternity leave, because there's just so much going on, so much to deal with. And it's, it's very difficult. It's very taxing on the mind and the body. And, um, I was just very, very, um, I just felt very lonely and didn't, I just felt like kind of, you know, oh, I'm the only one going through this, even though I have mm -hmm. several friends. Right. Um, but, you know, postpartum depression takes on this whole new other part of your mind, I feel like, because now you're caring for this little human being that you've never had to before, um, at least, you know, before they came into existence mm -hmm. in your in the womb. But, you know, it 
motherhood is so many things and, and, and then you're trying to take care of yourself on top of it. So, um, to make a long story short, yeah, it's postpartum depression is very real and it, it, it hits people in a lot of different ways. For me personally, it was, it was just this constant feeling of, of like hopelessness and loneliness and is my life ever going to be the same, uh, normal again. Um, and I struggle with a lot of, uh, other things with that too. You know, I, my, my biggest dream in life was to be a wife and a mother. And, and then I, you know, right. now I am a mother and, and I, you know, shouldn't I be the happiest I've ever mm-hmm. been? And instead I'm, you know, the saddest I've ever been. And, um, you know, all I want to <laughs> be is a stay at home mom, but like, we just can't do that right now in our, our season of life. So mm-hmm. that those kind of things played into it too. And, and it, um, and then on top of that, trying to take care of this new life and yourself. Mm. And yeah, so that's a just tall order a lot for going sure. on. That's a, that's a <laughs> yeah. lot. So, so let's just recap a little bit for, for people, again, that don't maybe follow you. And again, our audience is primarily male. So okay. in the past six months, roughly, right, you had a baby, you had the baby blues, you were diagnosed with PPD, as you were just explaining. You went, you went back to work full time and launched the Young Professionals Group, then relaunched your two small businesses, published a book. Anything else that we missed? Because uh, this was this post was like at least four weeks old at this point. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, thankfully, there's nothing else to add to that list currently. So <laughs> trying to keep it that way. Yeah. Well, I have a follow up question. Um what helped you the most uh, to to get out uh, to manage, I guess, the the postpartum depression? Yeah, so I'm a big advocate for um, counseling and therapy. So I I've been going to a counselor for oh my gosh, eight years, seven years, seven and a half years. So I continued with that, um, and then. I'm a very naturally minded person, so I, I'm not super into medication or, um, Mm -hmm. really anything that can be prescribed to me. (laughs) Um, I, I tend to do a lot of natural health and wellness things, but, um, I did, uh, I did take, start taking medication and I'm also an advocate now for that because sometimes you've, when you've tried everything else like me, Mm -hmm. um, you, you kind of hit this dead end and you're like, okay, nothing's working. Let's try something else. So I actually approached my counselor and asked to be on medication. So, Mm -hmm. um, the combination of, of counseling and, and medicine is what has helped me, um, as well as, um, trying to meet new moms, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. because of that loneliness factor, you know, uh, everyone needs community, but they especially need it in new phases of life. So, um, I've tried to, uh, meet new mom friends and some of my current friends who aren't moms are like, Hey, I have a friend who's a mom. Do you want me to connect you to? So really like seeking that community has been super helpful too. Um, it helps with, um, it just helps combat that loneliness and, um, being in your head and it makes you, uh, feel the sense of belonging. Like you're, you're not the only one. There are plenty of other parents in the world. You just have to meet them and hang out with them. And it's, yeah. it's a great time when you can, 
um, just really get out of your own head and then and enter into the lives of others and then with your children too. So mm-hmm. those are a few of the things that have helped me. Well, I guess when they say it takes a village, when they say it takes a village, you know, that doesn't just mean for the, for the kids themselves. It's about mm-hmm. everybody because mm-hmm. you have yeah. to have that sense of community. If you think about um, intergenerational families, you know, especially in Mexico, that they're very, it, it, even to today, you know, it's, it's very common to have a grandmother or like an aunt or like somebody living other than the, the primary family unit with, with the family. So I think that also aids a lot in all of these different uh, uh, aspects of, of either motherhood or, or like, uh, like you said, you know, like being a new mom, being kind of like isolated, getting into your own head. Um, <clears throat> so there's definitely something to be said about community, especially with women that are going through the same things that that you are at that moment that you can kind of like bounce ideas off each other and say, oh, this helped me. I tried this. So I think that's crucial and mm-hmm. very, very needed, uh, uh, particularly in Catholic circles. Right. I mean, we are yeah. definitely tied as as Catholics by our faith, but it, it, it should go deeper and, 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 and extend beyond that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we, we we have a tradition of of my wife and I um, always getting dinner for new parents. Well, not even necessarily new parents, but parents that are every time they have children because those things saved us. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. we don't want to recognize yeah. that we need help and uh, try to white knuckle it ourselves. So kudos mm-hmm. to you for recognizing that you needed help and then totally. going after it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's fantastic. My, uh, my wife and I struggle with some of that. We have four. And yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. it's like we have so many children. But <laughs> <laughs> that same feeling, I was like, this is what you wanted. This this was this is, was the desire of my heart to be a father. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Um, mm-hmm. at all times so totally yeah absolutely. Uh, we, we, we need to uh, if it were easy anybody could do it but there's a yeah. mission <laughs> behind it. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about St. Vincent de Paul and, and your work there um, what, is, what does it mean to be uh, you say uh, director Program, of development development officer development, development officer, officer. What does that entail? Yeah, so it's a fancy term for fundraiser. Uh, so <laughs> um, I basically my job is to um, uh, work with our donors at St. Vincent de Paul. So cultivating relationships, building those relationships, um, inviting donors into our work in whatever way that they want to, either. Um, continuing to financially or uh, volunteering, hosting drives, you name it, we probably can help them (laughs) uh, do that. So really just donor focused um, and also uh, community engagement. So getting out in the community, meeting people and inviting them into our work. Um, St. Vincent de Paul does a lot more than what people think we do. We're not a soup kitchen. We do feed people. And then we also do like 25 other things. So Mm. um, I was giving a tour today, actually, after the book event. And this happens every time. But a couple people on the tour were like,
like, I had no idea you did all of this. And it's true. Um, most people don't know everything we do. So yeah, I'm a development officer. Um, so basically I'm, uh, working with a development team there. We, there's several development officers on our team, which is such a blessing. Um, and we're all out in the community fundraising, um, to run this amazing organization. So nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Wait, so now I'm curious because I know that there's the food pantry and then the thrift shops, but what are other things that people might not know about St. Vincent de Paul? <laughs> um, yeah, so most people do know about the food pantries and thrift stores. Um, we have a medical and dental clinic on our campus. Um, we have a transitional housing shelter for, um, we, so we have 60 beds for uh, homeless adults and a lot of them okay. are veterans wow. and um, people who have disabilities. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a resource center where anyone who is in homeless or in need of anything really can walk through our doors and um, have a a one-on-one -on -one conversation with one of our volunteers and staff and we try to meet their needs. Um, we have like I think it's 16 partner agencies working in, in there with us. So, um, gosh, we have a bike shop. Basically we fix up bikes so that we can give them to our guests. Uh, I don't know. We have, we do. Some that is oh, all <laughs> of those things are that fantastic. Is. Yeah. That it's is pretty awesome. incredible. Mm -hmm. Go support St. Vincent de Paul people. I, <laughs> yes. I know we do. We love, we love thrift shopping there. We, we get there. Oh. Before we moved, you know, we, we had the, the one on, on Bell Road. We'd live really close by, and we're like... They're probably going we're every regulars. Saturday in scavenge hunt. We're regulars. I mean, we knew the people there, and they knew our kids. He's and, not lying. Yeah, they <laughs> m m More than anything, book hunting. You know, my wife is a, 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 a really, really bookworm. That's the best mm. word, right, to describe her. And she has built us an amazing library. I want to say, like... In, in great part to St. Vincent de Paul because there's just a treasure trove of, of mm. like knickknacks. But, but in terms of like the books that we found there, it's like, oh my goodness, you guys really don't know what you have when you have books in there. So we're very <laughs> grateful for, for yeah. that contribution, to, at least to our family. Oh, but, wow. but yeah, it's, amazing. it's, it's really uh, amazing to hear everything that St. Vincent de Paul just offers the community. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, Awesome, awesome work that they do. Yes. Fun story. My uh, bachelor apartment was almost exclusively furnished with St. Vincent de Paul <laughs> Dude, uh, furniture. I'm telling you. Oh, yeah, that's I'm awesome. I love it. Well, I, yeah. I moved to Phoenix 10 years ago, and I didn't have any piece of furniture. So mm -hmm. hey. St. Vincent de Paul, yeah. baby. Yeah, that's great. To the rescue. <laughs> so, so on top of everything that we already mentioned, Aaron, um, you you're a speaker too and, and one of the topics that really caught my attention from from the the ones that you have on your website listed is uh celebrating what makes you who you are you know and especially right now in today's world and today's culture um can you talk a little bit about why you like to tackle this topic yeah um i really enjoy that talk and i, I that was actually born out of my experiences at St. Vincent de Paul, I was originally asked by someone there to give that talk. And now I just, that's one of the things I do. I've, I've given it multiple times, but, um, yeah, celebrating what makes you who you are. So that's something that, um, I really started kind of diving more into probably in 2018. Um, I had just moved back to Arizona from, uh, 
job that I was working right out of college. And um, I yeah, just started working at St. Vincent de Paul and I had my own apartment for the first time. And so I was, I actually had a lot more time on my hands back then than I do now. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> so I, it was actually the only time in my life that I can honestly say that I was really like taking care of myself and like just very happy and at peace with like the simplicity of life not that it's bad to be any other way of life but just um it was just the first time in my life I'd experienced that so I was really able to um dive into books that were about you know daily affirmations, building yourself up, taking care of your mental health, um, learning ways to essentially celebrate who you are. So I kind of gathered all of the things that I was like learning about and reading and experiencing in this very like nice stage of my life. And, um, and, and then some of my past experiences as well. And then I just was like, you know what? I can totally talk about this. So when I was invited to speak about it for the first time, um, I was really excited. And basically, it's it's just something that I think needs to be discussed a lot more. The first talk I gave on this topic um, was to college students, which was so cool because I, at that time, I was only a couple years out of college. So um, it was nice to be able to essentially tell people what I wish I would, someone would have told me. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what that talk is. It's, it's, it's diving into, it's, it's getting past the shallow, like, oh yeah, this is my name, this is what I do for work, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, this is who I am, this is what makes me me, this is where I find my identity in, and the talk is Catholic, so identity. (laughs) Um, And then just diving into um, what makes you unique, and then how can you celebrate that. Um, And so it, it, I, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I uh, adapt the talk to the audience. So the first time I gave it, um, I gave it to college students. And then there was another time I was giving it to um, adults who were like much older than me. So there was like a range of, of ways that I, I like to present on that. But everyone can can hear that message and take from it what they need in that time of their life. So I love discussing it because it's something that I took like very, I took on really well. Um, and when I was, you know, just kind of finally taking a breath after, um, I was doing mission work after college. So it was kind of crazy. And then I moved back here and I was just like, okay, like let's breathe. Let's like get back on track. And so that's kind of where that talk came out of. And, um, yeah, I can, answer other questions but that's kind of an overview that's so. awesome so <laughs> that's you awesome. were doing uh missionary with focus right missionary mm-hmm. work with focus yes How, what was that about what was that like uh that was great um i did that for two years so i worked as a missionary at the um, franciscan university in steubenville nice. and oh, nice. then for my first year and then my second year i was at cal state fullerton so two very different experiences but yeah oh yeah focus, it sounds, um, very, yeah. It sounds like one it. was a very small catholic college and the other was a very secular large <laughs> university mm-hmm. in california so um 
very different experiences, but both there's such a need for missionaries at both. A lot of people would ask me, oh, they need missionaries at Franciscan? I'm like, actually, yeah, they do. Wow. So, <laughs> um, yeah, bringing, bringing them closer in relationship with Christ instead of bringing all the knowledge in their head, you need to bring it to their heart. So um, anyways, yeah. So it was very a very busy couple of years, as you can imagine, working <laughs> with college students about the faith. <laughs> nice. But very necessary work. Um, yes, absolutely. What you just mentioned about um, celebrating what makes you you, um, it um, made me think of the the book that Gustavo and I were doing during uh, reading during Lent, uh, "Born of Fire" by uh, Father Innocent Montgomery. Innocent, because it just goes through all of the uh, different identities of this particularly written for men as a mm. son uh, father spouse Husbands. men yeah all of these um but um yeah that's i think that is such an important thing to um uh, recognize you know as sons and daughters of uh god um and in celebrating i think that the, the celebration part is something that I struggle with because I'm like, mm. I don't know. I don't, what do I have to celebrate? It's just like, I'm a normal guy that does a podcast and doesn't at the same time, I don't want to be famous. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird combination, but like, can, can we, call, can we call you an influencer? Is, is that something that, um, that you do? Is it, sorry, we are too old. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. It's like I don't. I don't get the. Then this well, is a very honest question. Like, can you explain to us what influencer? Yeah. Well, entails? it's a term that I use. I should probably use it more lightly, but because sometimes it has a bad connotation. But basically, like three years ago, I decided I was either going to delete my social media or I was going to revamp it, and I was obviously decided to stick with it, but with a whole new mission and purpose. Um, so I had been like following a bunch of people in the Catholic world, mostly um, mm -hmm. who were just sharing messages that were unique and different and sharing different like Catholic products and programs and classes and all this stuff. And I was like, that's interesting. So I like looked more into, you know, what that's all about. And I was like, that's like what I want to do. I want to speak truth into the world and share all the things that I love with other people that they may not know about. So mm. that's like a very simplified definition of yeah. an influencer. It, it, like I said, it has a bad connotation because there are influencers who like sell clothes and sell jewelry and yeah. do all these other crazy things and have like 4 million followers. Like, obviously that's not right. what I do, but, um, you know, I, I say that because my, my, one of my main missions and purposes of my social media now is to share my experiences so that I can impact and influence people. That's mm -hmm. like literally what I'm mostly doing on social media now. So, um, it's, it's fun. It's given me a lot of, it's kind of my creative outlet and mm -hmm. it's, it's allowed me to meet so many amazing people that I never would have met without it. So I think there's a bad, um, 
especially in like the the faith communities, I think social media gets a bad rap for a very good mm-hmm. reason because there are parts of social media that are just really toxic and we we yeah. don't need to be a part of that. But Correct. we need unfortunately most of the world is online and we need Catholics there. So I think that was kind of the main thing that I was thinking about when I was like, okay, do I delete or do I really like go full force into this? Um, exactly. Because if we all back out, it's just going to be, it's just going to get worse. of yeah, <laughs> things that are so, not necessarily great. Yeah. yeah I, so that's kind of in a nutshell, what I'm trying to do is influence people positively and, um, just for the building of the kingdom yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly that's awesome that's great okay that the, the, i i like that, helps. that. i want to be helps an influencer in that way <laughs> i then. hope yeah, because it does my, my kids my kids are like dad this like tiktok and my kids don't have phones and i i <laughs> vowed never to buy them a phone i said you're gonna get a phone when you can pay for it yourself that mm, that way it'll be your good fault. job <laughs> um but obviously they're then again, that's They're tricky because if they get a phone and then they download TikTok on their phone. No, that, that won't happen in this house. That will happen when they are not under this roof, which it'll well. that'll be around 30, H30 for each one of them. So, <laughs> so, um, I, love it. so I, I have two girls. So, but I mean, obviously they're in touch with the world, right? And, and, and technology and everything. So they tell me, it's like, dad, look at this TikTok. I'm like, I, I just don't get it. I'm like really old. I don't. We're showing get it, our age, you know? <laughs> totally, oh, big time. Funny. And and I think you, you hit the nail on the head, you know, because it's. Um, and again, I feel like I bring him up every episode, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Bishop Barron did the same thing. He said, "We gotta be out there, you know. We gotta engage people where they are meeting. Right now, they're meeting online. That's just the reality of it. So, using." the talents that God gave you for the good, you know, and, and, and making sure that they're oriented towards truth, goodness, and beauty. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great use of resources and time and, and talent and treasure, right? If, if, it, mm-hmm. if it's being done towards, towards that end. So, so kudos to you for, for spearheading that in, on, on, in, in your own corner of the world, right? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. So, so basically, uh, go ahead, Walter. I'm sorry. No worries. Um, can can you tell us about? We know that this morning, I mean, at the time of recording, um, you you had an event f- uh, for the blessing of the book, um, Catholic leadership for civil society, and uh, Bishop Olmsted um, did a blessing of the book. How was that like? Tell us everything. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. We, you know, Christopher and I, we we had hopes and dreams for how this event was going to go. And I think everything that happened exceeded those. (laughs) Um, It was such, yes, it it is. It was, it was really such a blessing because, um, you know, it it was actually very intimate setting. We were in a small conference room at St. Vincent de Paul. Um, We had about 40 people show up and, there were some very important people in that small room and it was so amazing to see CEOs interacting with like college students and, and like my daughter was there and like people who 
have never met her or me were like coming up and and saying hi to her and um you know seeing all of my worlds collide was really cool like <laughs> TLI and St. Vincent de Paul and my family and it was just like it was so <laughs> incredible like I wish I could have just been a fly on the wall to be honest because the the connections and the conversations that were happening and that were being made were honestly just incredible. So that's one part of it. And then of course, yeah, the, the program itself went, um, wonderfully, uh, you know, uh, Shannon Clancy, who's our associate CEO at St. Vincent de Paul, she did, um, a beautiful greeting and, and opening to our, all of our guests. Um, and then I got to get up and share the how of the book. So how did we write this book? How did it all go down? Um, and then Christopher talked about the why, and then the Bishop closed, um, with some really inspiring words and then blessed the book. So, and then we were able to sign books after that which is so wild to say out loud I'm like oh my gosh <laughs> it was a very surreal experience Christopher and I were prob- were learning a lot he- we were like signing and then people were like can I get a picture and then like this person was like hey can I ask a question it was just like pure chaos but it was chaos in the best way so <laughs> beautiful chaos um yes exactly so it was mm-hmm. it went amazingly and we're so grateful for everyone who was there so um yeah thank you for asking so so let's backtrack a little bit so obviously you co-wrote the book with christopher christopher is the founder and and pretty much the the um facilitator that started tepeyak leadership initiative which Mm -hmm. you and i are uh alumni of so how did you get into the program how did you first hear about it um through saint vincent de paul actually okay Um, I was approached by one, um, someone we work with, a consulting or we consult with, a um, a business that helps us do a lot of like our direct mail pieces and, and just fundraising strategy in general. And, um, he actually was one of the people who helped hire me on. So he had mentioned, um, oh yeah, there's like this new program in the diocese. It's called Tepeyac Leadership Initiative. Like you should look into it and see if it's something you'd be interested in, in doing. Cause we would be happy to support you, um, through mm-hmm. that. And I was like, okay, I, I never heard of it. I didn't know what it was, why I was being invited to be a part of it, whatever. So I looked it up and very quickly from just from the website, I was like, wow, like this definitely sounds right up my alley. Just the, the values of the, of the um, organization, the mission, you know, five months of learning how to be a Catholic leader in secular society. And um, it was just, I was like, sure, sign me up. So, um, yeah, that, Little that, did that you know about it through that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, very grateful, very grateful. Cause obviously God has done some incredible things, um, since then. So sweet. So Catholic leadership for civil society. And is that more or less in TLI where you became familiar with the concept and, and where you became passionate about to, to jump in with the book? Yes, um, definitely. I I already believed a lot of the things that were taught in that class and, and the mm-hmm. mission. Um, excuse me, the um, the program, but through the classes, and then obviously believed in the mission. Um, honestly, I think I started understanding it more like after I graduated. Um, what my leadership commitment was actually something that has to do uh, with the church with my parish. And since then I'm like, oh yeah, like that's great. But 
the point is to like go out in society. <laughs> so yeah, um, I was all bought in, but I think I just, I, I'm, I was learning even after the program ended, which is, which was fantastic. Um, so I graduated in 2019. So I only had a few months between that and then when COVID happened. So, um, I think when COVID hit in the beginning of 2020, that's when I started helping out. Um, I actually managed uh, their blog and their Instagram account for mm-hmm. like six months at a time um, and then had to step away because I was doing other things. But um, through that experience, Christopher realized that I, first of all, loved to write. And then second of all, he thought at least that I was probably pretty good at it. So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, um, so that's kind of how we paired up to write the book. But essentially the the message of the book, yes, I, I learned a lot more about it and got way more bought into it through going through Tepeyac Leadership Initiative. So, yeah. so- in chapter seven of the book, um, talks about one of the three fundamentals for civic leadership, which is human dignity. Can can you give us a little insight on why is this important for civic leadership? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, it's not something people would immediately think of when they think of leadership or fundamentals yes. for leadership, like uh, human dignity. How does that play in? Because um, a lot of people think human dignity, and they think, well, depending on what where you fall on the spectrum, most people are like, oh, right. that's like the pro-life movement, whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, it's it's so much more than that. Um, it's, it, it is that and so much more. So human dignity as a fundamental for civic leadership is basically approaching every person and, and having every encounter be a Christ-like one. So you know, you could be in any job, doesn't matter. You could be a janitor all the way to a CEO, but having that human dignity and respecting the human dignity of every other person in your um, that you encounter in your role is is key to being a leader. You can be a leader even if it's not in your job title, uh, if, if that's not your job title. Like I said, so yeah. um, that's that's really what the heart of that means. Um, and you know, it of course there there are these other moral ethical things that have to do with human dignity that we should stand up for in civil society mm-hmm. and in the our roles in our workplaces but um in addition to that it's also encountering everyone um with a christ-like and charitable attitude um and respecting their human dignity no matter what the situation is whether you're in a conflict or a confrontation or it's a pleasant experience with that person it doesn't matter that that human dignity needs to be there so that chapter really explains and walks us through you know how to change and shift our mindset so that we can be um recognizing that human dignity in others so how can i uphold someone's dignity in every encounter I have today. You know, it, it walks it walks us through some questions to get us thinking about that and kind of reorient ourselves to um, just having human dignity at the forefront of our mind in everything that we do and not something that we only save for our, you know, going to church on Sunday or our volunteer right. mm-hmm. pro-life group or whatever. It, it's so much more than that. So Or upholding human dignity in people that we like. But not the ones that we don't like. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it would be like the struggle, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, and and I think it's so important that you guys, uh, 
laid out the book like this because I mean it I encourage everybody to go and get a copy of the book first and foremost because it's it's like and Christopher said it in our in, in the other episode, he says this is not a novel idea, you know, but we're just unpacking it from a leadership perspective from that uh, Catholic perspective also. But mm-hmm. it's it's the the fact that dignity is what we're missing the most right now because because we we've fallen away from God as a society, you know, so who gives you your dignity then? Right. If, if yeah. you don't believe in God, if, 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 yeah. if you are the center of your own little universe, where does that dignity come from? You know, and that's something that I think mother it's nature, so... Gustavo, <laughs> the climate, <laughs> that is something that I think it's so crucial for people to recognize. And again, Arcing back to the book that Walter mentioned about um, Born on Fire, that's they hammer it down so much that it actually I was like, I get it, Father, I get it. I am a child of God. But sometimes that's that's how you need to hear it over and over. You know, you are a child of God. That's that's your worth. That is your dignity. You know, so I think the the book in itself, uh, um, Catholic, uh, your your guys's book, Catholic Leadership for Civil Society. Obviously, talks about this and a lot of other different topics, um, but it, it's great in and of, of itself because it's talking about true leadership in a world um, that really needs it right now, not the the way the world offers it, right? Mm, Any yes. for anyone isn't this is not just for professionals or for people that are gonna go or, or have gone through the program. Uh, anybody can benefit from this book. Um, mm-hmm. What are you guys hoping? people get out of this book? Um, inspiration. Uh, a call, we, well, we have plenty of calls to action, but we want people to be motivated to take action in their mm-hmm. own lives, whatever that looks. You know, we, we lay out a lot of ideas um, that we hope people will, will act upon. Um, so really action and inspiration and a desire to grow in their relationship with God through all of it too. Um, that's something we're trying to share as well. You know, when people think of a, of a leadership book, they don't really necessarily think of it being some sort of prayerful experience, but our book kind of marries the two together. We, we, we have certain prayers in there that we wrote ourselves. We have think other things that we reference about, um, taking things to prayer and, and, and really nurturing your relationship with Jesus um, and all of these different ways. So we want it to be that as well. So uh, like a call to action, um, inspiration, and um, acting upon the things that we're inviting people to as well as nurturing their relationship with our Lord. That's another thing that you Another thing that you mentioned, um, I think you were at the Catholic Conversation, it's about the knowledge that was provided to you through TLI, you know, through all these documents and church church documents, uh, essentially that we don't take advantage of as Catholics, mm-hmm. you know, that we, we try to learn something, we Google it, but then we get the whatever results you called it, right? Whatever results yes. Google gives you. <laughs> and I think that's, that's also very, very important that we don't, Google works, but Vatican and and its infinite knowledge has all of those answers kind of like already laid out. And I think that's one of the things that most stuck with me from TLI, the fact that I I was um, opened up 
You know, my mind was opened up to all that wealth of knowledge of the Catholic faith and all of these different uh, uh, aspects, right? Catholic social teaching, uh, human yeah. dignity, you know, sexuality, all of them, all of them. Education was a big one for me, you know, for people that were it's like, you got you got to get involved in, in the education if you wanted to change. Because boy, oh boy, yes. when they gave me that talk, I was like, thank God we are able to homeschool our kids. Mm. You know, what a blessing, what a blessing and it, it, it has truly been. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, opening up the, the, the church documents to really learn about how, how to go about all these different issues that are happening in society today. Yes, absolutely. That's cute. Yeah, again, it's not a noble idea, but we're just bringing light to it. Yeah. Um, Pretty much. <laughs> Well, Aaron, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time to, to come on the podcast. It's been a really interesting conversation. But before we wrap things up, where can people find you, um, your blog, uh, your Instagram account, and the book? All of the, Give us all the deets. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll try not to overwhelm everyone. First of all, thank <laughs> you for having me. This has been a pleasure, and I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. So can't wait for it to be released and share mm -hmm. it with everyone. Um, so people can find me uh, on Instagram. It's at flowering.at.his.feet. Um, my website is floweringathisfeet.com. And um, if you want to purchase the book uh, or learn more about the book, uh, you can go to catholicleadership.net. So um, those are a few places you can find me and easily get connected there. So and Perfect. if you search for Catholic leadership on Amazon, it's the first book that comes up. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Christopher likes to make sure we share that. So thank you for bringing it up. Yes, we're, well, we're grateful. He trained because... us well. <laughs> yes, he did. He's like, make sure you say this. Yeah. Um, but we're, yeah, we're so grateful for that because truly there is not a book like this out there. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a blessing to be able to say, hey, you don't even have to type in the whole title of our book. It'll just pop up because mm -hmm. there's no other title like that right now. So that's good. <laughs> Paving the way. Paving the way. Yep. <laughs> well, God bless you, Aaron. Uh, thank you so much for your time. And uh, obviously, we'll 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 keep keep us updated on on everything that you're doing. And uh, hopefully, we can get the families together here soon. Hey, that'd be great. Thank you both so much for your time. I appreciate this, and God bless you both for all that you're doing. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you.